おはようございます。<笑>こんにちは。こんばんは。Hello, everybody. My name is John. And I'm Lee Kai. And we are Call and Response. <laughs> yes, Call and Response. <laughs> <laughs> so, we choose a book to read every week to share our thoughts and reflect on what we've learned. And we hope that by sharing a conversation, our listeners can take something away that can benefit them in one way or another. And our intended audience members are those who have read the book or are familiar with the concepts discussed in the book or are interested in reading it themselves, as we will mainly be sharing our opinions of the book. And although our podcast focuses more on reflecting, we will briefly summarize the book in the beginning. Enough so that the listeners that have never read or never heard of the book can follow along. And additionally, since we're both raised in Japan but mostly surrounded by English speaking people, our podcast will be in English with a sprinkle of Japanese. And lastly, we update our reading calendar frequently so our listeners can preview which books we will be reading. And we also welcome our listeners to join in anytime in our podcast. You don't have to read the book beforehand or prepare any questions if you don't have any.、Um, you can simply just sit in our Zoom calls and join in on our conversations if you want to. So, and we're always reachable through Twitter, Twitter and YouTube. So, send us a message if you want to join.、Um, both of our links to our calendar and Twitter will be in the description, video description. So, please refer to those. ぐらいですかね、うん、それではそれでは今週もよろしくお願いいたします。Who has written many thought provoking books about the new ways of thinking and perceiving the conventional patterns of the world? So, the key theme of Outliers is that success is not simply the product of a powerful personality or a high IQ. And instead, successful individuals often thrive thanks to the right combination of hard work, cultural disposition or legacy, and meaningful opportunity. And he does this by highlighting successful individuals like Bill Gates, who had countless hours of practice on the highest end computers at the time, and the Beatles, who had random opportunities for them to go to Hamburg and perform in clubs in red light districts,、um, a total of 1,200 shows, and explains why each individual's success was not solely due to their innate talent or IQ, but rather because of. Chance and opportunity accompanied by a good sense of hard work and self awareness. And as a result, it provides the insight for us to be more aware of the opportunities that are around us so that we can take advantage of them in a way that can help us find our success in our own lives. So, before we move on to the QA section, I wanted to explain that we have now cut out the reflection part.、Um, it used to be summary reflection QA, but we will cut out the middle part of reflection and kind of go straight to QA. 
mainly because reflection and Q&A sections were over, some parts were overlapping and we thought it was easier to merge it into one section and and talk on talk about our reflections there. So I will start off and I wanted to first talk about the this um, fate versus 10,000 hours. Um, and so I'll explain what it is. So when I first read about the section where Malcolm explained how the professional Canadian ice hockey players, uh, a majority, I think at least half of them were born before March. Um, and I think the cutoff date for these, for the, the youth league, the young, young league, when, when they're in a, when they were like my, in elementary school, okay? they <clears throat> were, the cutoff was December 31st. So <clears throat> those, uh, kids that were born on January 1st, 2nd or 3rd had, um, compared to a, the, uh, another kid that was born December 31st of that year has a whole year of advantage in physically and mentally too, right? And so I was looking at, I looked to think about myself. <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> sorry. So I'm born on August 30, actually 29th. And then, but, and then so naturally, usually I would go into, so I, I would be like on the older end if I went, uh, especially in the, um, the American education system. But um, I was put into the year kind of like, uh, which would it be? Year up, older? Um, well, I guess majority of my classmates were older than me. So I was, I was a year behind in a, in, a, in a sense. And I always wondered, like, is that, like, would, I, would my trajectory in life been different? Or like how I would look at education or would I have been more in like, because I, I wasn't like the top um, student. Um, so both, uh, I guess, physically, like sports too. And so I don't know about that. But, and then, you know, so, but I, I want to say that even though I might have been at a disadvantageous point or stance, <clears throat> I was kind of luckily introduced to like the concept of growth mindset and kind of early on, or I would say early on, like freshman year in my high school. And so, and that's because I read a book called um, Talent is Overrated. I'm sure I've talked to you about it, John, a lot of times. Um, so, and then my uncle recommended that book. So shout out to him, but he, like, it was about deliberate practice about the concept of that. And, uh, it touched on like the 10,000 hour principle as well. And so I naturally like relied more on hard work and seeing like relying on that to see improvements in my life. And so I think that was a, a big game changer for me to, in, in like how I tackled things in life I just like just like work ethic ethics and so so it's funny like that Malcolm kind of brings both these ideas up how like there's a natural force in this universe that um those that are behind in class like age-wise are kind of doomed or like stuck in this system where we're, we can't be as good as we could be um if we were born like say like January for for those hockey players and then but at the same time he talks about 10,000 hours and how we can put our focus on our efforts and that we can still come come out ahead um, in the future and so um this kind of like two ideas that are uh, at each other uh it's not necessarily contradicting but it's hopeful to know that ten thousand hours is a, is a good way to think mm -hmm. frame your mind to work harder rather mm -hmm. than depending on your fate mm. um 
that's one thing but do you what do you think about that um so you you think that your progression throughout this your years in school would have been way different if you held on to your motivation based on fate and where you were placed i think so mm. i think i would have because i tend to well i don't know I don't, I, maybe not i i, I might have because I was, I was immature too i wasn't like I might have easily given up mm. See, seeing how behind I was because um, I was already feeling um, inferior when I saw a lot of my friends go to Ivy League, League schools and I didn't and so I thought like like <laughs> I'm done <laughs> like there's <laughs> nothing I can do to do better uh, but then uh, I already knew that like I, looking back on in my on my high school life like I know that I didn't work the hardest I wasn't the hardest working person mm. student and so I knew it was myself to blame and like I'm not gonna blame it on my my upbringing or my my age it's like I think it's kind of it's um like Malcolm says, it's it's it, it has a profound effect, but I don't think it's the right mindset to have, mm, mm, mm. or something to blame on. Yeah, like, it's not gonna help sure. you to blame on it, even though it might be as real as, yeah, mm -hmm. anything else. Right. So in the case of the hockey league, it might be mm. really profound because there's only one hockey league, and that mm. hockey league takes the deadline, the cutoff date for that hockey league is. January 1st or December 31st so mm -hmm. it pretty much predisposes these potential hockey players into a certain niche of yeah, yeah. children born in the first half of the year but it seems like Malcolm also says this in, in the book but it seems like if there's another platform or environment mm -hmm. where people can thrive towards a specific goal like let's say hockey for mm -hmm. you like striving at school um yeah motivations might change and yeah the course of your life might change so yeah it seems like this idea like people should be more aware of how this idea of fate and your predisposition mm. can affect you and try to mm, not i don't i don't know if customize is the right word but like trying to find a way for you to like you did like you found this book that inspired you to focus on your uh performance rather than your placement in a certain group um mm -mm. Uh, to find that type of guiding light or philosophy to mm -mm. base your behavior or like actions on yeah so i yeah, just not get not get too uh. bogged down by it is key. Mm -hmm. So, how would we be able to do that, like, as people who are placed in that type of fate, let's say, um, in a disadvantageous fate? Yeah, sure. How would we overcome it, or mm, how would we fight against it? 
the odds that Malcolm says that impacts us tremendously? I'm not sure. I, uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. Do you have an idea? Um, it's a bit tricky because you don't really know what could be that source of inspiration for you. It yeah. just so happened that this book, for you, did the job. Um, right. So you can't really enforce everybody to read this particular book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can't just be like, you can't roll over to your fate and do nothing mm. about it. So I think you need to do something about it. Or you should. Um, um, I think, okay, if I, if I may answer, um, like, if I may, so in, the, my answer would be in, a, in the best, uh, or the most general sense that anyone can apply to, mm. because he said, for me specifically, it was the book, but, so the other day, more like conceptually, generally, I would say, I, I would, might just kind of resort to the idea of like, acknowledging it but don't let it affect you too much um or it, it's kind of it's just just the way of life like it's going to be unfair for for a lot of people mm -hmm. life is going to be unfair and so don't try to argue about the unfairness but more like play it play play along with or play the game and know the rules know, know the unfair parts but then like you know just there's there's other parts that you're probably more advantageous about, um, you know, you know, like, like, cause like in David and Goliath, yeah, I was going to say every disadvantage is like, there could be a potential advantage. Mm -hmm. And so like even coming here to, to the States as a foreigner or yeah, foreigner, um, there are a lot of job opportunities out there in the States that are great jobs, but only maybe for residents and nationals um and for me as a foreigner I, I can't take advantage of that in fact there's a lot of restrictions for me to work here or to get even like connect with people so you know because even just like as a person i might not have the personality to network well with people because they might think i'm a foreigner i don't know there's all these different mm -hmm. unfair advantage or advantages disadvantages that are there but for me i try not to think about that because it's just shogunite uh, it's, I love that word. Uh, it's I love it in some sense, but I don't like it to overuse it. I don't think it's good to overuse it, but I think it's showing it to have these mm. immigration restrictions on me because mm. I'm coming in here. Anyways, that's kind of well, I'm getting sidetracked, but um, yeah, kind of just show it, play, <laughs> go along with it, mm -hmm. and then try your best, kind of. Oh, and then um, we kind of talked about this too, but because we know that. Our, our our future is is dependent on our past as well and because we can't really change our past like we talked about like, fate I think it's also nice to give yourself don't don't do not beat yourself up too much mm -hmm. uh, and like there's variables you couldn't control in the past where you're born who you're born are under like to which family so that's life mm. Kinda? yeah what do you think I agree. Um, I think the most important thing to take away from this is to be aware of like how just things work and try to yeah, just be informed of it and 
try to expose yourself to as many samples of people like I don't know people that you find inspiring or just people that you find uh, people that have done amazing things um, and try to take things from what they've done and yeah. try to apply it to yours although that might be easier said than done um, mm. yeah so I think the baseline is just understanding how things work and mm. playing by your rule like David and Goliath mm. Kana is mm. what we can do all we can do yeah. I guess mm. so yeah. being aware is a huge step um, and then, so, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the rice theory with the math and rice Asian or Eastern, mm. uh, Eastern and rice theory. <clears throat> Cause I think it kind of boils down to growth and fixed mindset <clears throat> between like, if you work hard uh, in the paddy field or the rice field you, you will reap the benefit or you literally reap the rice um mm -hmm. and so uh but i don't think so so that's not my that's 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 a i, I just want to put that aside too like so i think it's just a growth versus fixed mindset um mm -hmm. is like a nice way to simplify his idea malcolm's idea about the east and the west not to say west is just fixed but like from what he was talking about and then I want to talk more about the connection that he made between the rice, right, right, like rice and growth mindset. And I thought like, like it might be, it might just be too simple. Like he might have simplified too much to communicate the message that like rice was the a biggest factor, was a good big factor sure. to influence how we thought, and that's the legacy. And I think he used that more for the simplicity. And I I think he I I would have done the same thing, but <clears throat> there's like you know other stuff like. Like I would say, like religion is one other thing that might have that has a huge impact in how we think, as a, as um, like a community, like culture, like country too. Mm. And so you know, for Eastern, it will be Shintoism or Buddhism. And I'm not too familiar with those, but like, you know, those are dominant religions here, mm. or it used to, be, or still, I don't know. So, and then, but then I I thought to myself, okay, well maybe even those religion religions are also influenced by the rice theory mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I don't, sure it, it might just still be <clears throat> it's not the most fundamental level yet religion is is still a construct that, we, that humans made right mm. so so i was trying to think okay so okay okay so ja, um because because i guess what right now i'm trying to trying to figure out what are the fundamental blocks <clears throat> building blocks that are that affected that created our culture and then i and then when I, right now i said religion right I, religion could be another one but then religion is already itself a culture and that like we need something more fundamental at the bottom that is bubbling up those ideas shintoism or like uh, ideas that made yeah. the eastern countries in eastern and then to borrow this idea of so first principle from elon musk um which talks about like he he, it's his way he, he likes he loves he uses first principle um in his like day-to-day -day, like life job and stuff which talks about how like how physicists and other scientists use it to <clears throat> um solve 
hard problems. So if they were to kind of also talk about like space exploration, like they break down the physics physics problem into like the most fundamental pieces. Like what's the truth? Like okay, like my gravity is nine point eight one like meters per meters uh, per second. So you fundamental truths, gotta they start building up more eto complex ideas mm. instead of instead of understanding ideas through analogy. And that's that's the my gist of this first principle. And so I'm trying to use that into into figuring out what is the fundamental blocks for our culture. And then mm. this this then um reminded me of the book um Guns German Steel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and I think we read that in our we high did. school. Right? Mm. Right. Okay, yeah, good. That because I don't think I would have picked that book up unless um, I was instructed to. So when I I remember reading, then it was so it's so interesting because I was not interested in history in high school, but like that book really stuck in my mind because it's like it explained how like the Europeans were the ones like why they became the ones to conquer much of our planet. Mm. Um, and then so it talked and more specifically, the reason the, the author I forgot sorry I, I forgot about I forgot the author for Guns and German Steel but Jared Diamond. it's um Jared Diamond so. He said it's a theory of geographic determinism. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is the idea that the differences between societies and societal development arise primarily from geographical causes. Mm. And so, no, at, at the end, that supports or even explains like Malcolm's like rice theory too. Mm-hmm. So because um, because it's, we were, or we took up, um, the Asian Eastern countries were in, in the asian i guess that side of the world we happen to be growing rice then we happen to be having that mindset so it, mm-hmm. i was uh, done it doubtful in the beginning but it made kind of made sense now that i took a step back and related to jared diamond's point mm. or geographic determinism mm. um yeah like really fundamental climate geog- geography Mm. um and i guess mainly luck are those and, and germs and like the mm. evolution of other creatures are what <laughs> influenced to what what influenced us humans to become who we are today yeah it's mm. pretty cool it's cool and i feel like <laughs> today it's a bit easy to detach our, ourselves from that yeah um, one i think is because we can move around and the internet is another thing ideas and values can go everywhere mm-hmm. and we tend to it's easier for us to base our ideas and philosophies on things that aren't from that are foreign from our geography mm. and it might yield new ideas or it might not yield new new ideas i don't know but um i think this was cool because it kind of brings us back to not brings us back but like it reminds us of how important like things in physical reality are in shaping our thoughts Mm. and how we think or how we Mm. live on a day-to-day basis yeah so mm. we're still creatures still trying to survive in the wilderness so and we haven't changed much from that ね、その繋がりが結構はっきり感じるエグザンプルだったね。この、マークスのライスティーリーは。やつ。
Yeah, I agree. The next thing is about nature versus nurture, and <clears throat> um, and I think I kind of bring it up because it's nature versus nurture is same thing as growth, not same, similar to growth versus fixed mindset, and. Um, I bring this up because there's a chapter about the Korean air pilots and, or uh, about the legacy, which is, I think, yeah, legacy and how our legacy or our history affects who we are uh, today. But then there's also, for me, there's the um, other part, you know, the nurture part, which I think is, is something we should, we need to appreciate as well, because although I think we evolved to be creatures that um, respect and follow tradition and legacy because tradition and legacies tend to be things that helps help help our our survivability and like not not tend to be but like mm, you know the traditions that decimate populations aren't going to be traditions because those people that are carrying on the traditions won't be able to they're dead mm -hmm. um right so we have this natural tendency to to respect or appreciate tradition um like, like it all but at the same time i think we also have this amazing capability to adapt and like you can see that in habits like it's our so in a low, smaller scale it's habits we we repeat habits day to day so that it reduces cognitive load but also we know that that works or mm -hmm. maybe mm, that's a overstatement maybe because like Anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back, but, um, but we can still change our habits. And I think it's the same thing. I think it's something we should bring, bring point out because, um, we might feel stuck in that we have to repeat tradition and history and carry on the legacy, but we are capable human beings that are also, or that, that can change the course of our, our life and our future generations. And that we have this amazing power to think for ourselves and and adapt to the current environment and like think is this tradition applicable to our day-to-day -day or our current modern life and i'm really talking in a really abstract general vague um way but you know i think it applies to a lot of things and um so no i'm, I'm just trying to like give hope to people that might think legacy is so powerful in our life that we're mm. bound to it forever but i think mm. we also i'm just saying we have this ability to adapt so i think if there is enough effort and will we can persevere <laughs> or change change our yeah, course change yeah mm. does that make sense mm. okay um and then so now moving on to my towards this is my last point, and then I have three questions for you, John. Um, hmm. But it's about the honorific. So, so when I read the chapter um, on the Korean air pilots um, in a, having trouble communicating with each other, which led to a tragic crash and accident, um, I was kind of I, I understood the struggle because, like, again, we we were both raised in Japan, so we know the the importance or the or the, the emphasis on honorifics and and respecting our elderly our senior seniors and so i was both understanding but also infuriated because if only they weren't mm. that polite they might have been able to survive 
and it's not like I'm blaming them. It's just uh, like it's unfortunate. And so I always had this thought of like, why do I have to show my respect in the form of language to my elderly mm-hmm. or senior mm-hmm. seniors? And I can show. I truly believe I can show my and express like respect for you um, in so many other ways that are a thousand times more heartful and like v- like visceral like you can feel it and it's the same thing I think like um, uh, the, the idea of words or a picture represents expresses like a thousand words the kanjine an action is more meaningful than words yeah. right and I think once you accept this practice of using honorifics on day to day basis um, it becomes automatic and I think it loses its weight after a while because it's it's re- repetition right and but you can't I think it's more meaningful to, to take to give a gift or like take I think it's better and so I hate I really don't like it when people emphasize too much on honorifics mm. and I want to prioritize my message over the fluff around it. Mm, mm. And without the fluff, I can still communicate my message. Hey, like, John, I really respect you. And I don't have to say in a very, very polite way. Um, <laughs> um, and so, like, just to kind of give a little example, I today just I happened to kind of walk around my neighborhood and I walked into a, a Japanese store, uh, like, a, kind of just like, uh, just, yeah, just a Japanese store. And then I realized that the the cash or the lady who was um, there was uh, a Jap- was Japanese who was so you know, cashier or manager there. And so I asked, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I had a conversation, little chat with her. But ma, I have to kind of like get my put on my A game with my Japanese speaking because like oh, like, what words are rude or, like, mm-hmm. what, how do I need to say it? Mm-hmm. Especially if she's a, what's our relationship? Are we, like, are we still strangers? I mean, are we, we're strangers, but are we, like, semi-bros because we're, like, the minority m- minorities in the, in the Seattle area? Like, we, we don't know that many Japanese, mm-hmm. so, like, what's the level? So, like, like, I, I mean no harm to her. Like I I respect her, just like I would expect respect anyone else. And I don't need words to, yeah, express that. Yeah. And maybe it's just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to relate this honorifics argument or rant to my to our previous last week's book about culture code. And do you remember? So when Daniel, right? Daniel Coyle. Mm. <laughs> Uh, not David, Daniel, talked to the most effective teams around the world. Mm. So like the Navy SEAL teams and like the basketball teams. What what they described as their uh, their teammates as were family members mm. or family. And so how, isn't it, isn't it like hard to regard someone as your family if you're still using honorifics, right? Mm. And then so if you want to make a really cohesive, like tight-knit, knit, tight-knit group, I think you need to put that honorifics aside and because for me honorifics is really translates to like a wall yeah and i think it needs to come down in order to be closer Mm. but it's so hard because 
without honorifics, it seems like we can't express respect anymore. Um, so that's, that's, that reminded me, um, when, can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when I was listening or reading that, um, chapter, although, yeah, I just thought, yeah, like, wow, like you just, just the smallest thing affected or led to a huge accident. So mm. it's unfortunate, but I learned something for some, from it. Um, mm. You do understand, like, my so no, wall, having yeah. a wall. I'm totally on the same page regarding that. Um, and I was thinking, I also thought of why people use honorifics in Japan mm. and other Asian countries, I guess. Um, and the first thought, I'm not sure if this is accurate or anything, the first intuition I had is like risk aversion of mm. potentially not having the other person reciprocate your communication in a mm. sense and by isolating words from you and turning it into honorifics reduces that risk in a sense because mm. you're both on mm. the same level now same level mm. of trust while if you mm-hmm. take away honorifics it's like a more pure form of communication it's, that's why families mm. do that too in japan or Mm. So, it made me think, using honorifics, to me, sounds like people are less open. It's a less direct form of communication, in a mm-hmm. way. But, of course, it's polite, and there's less ri- less risk of um, harming the other person, or harming each other. Mm. So, mm. that was my interpretation of why people could be using honorifics, but... Um, yeah, so it's like a safe net, pretty much. Yeah. I watch a lot of videos about, like, a YouTuber, Japanese YouTubers interviewing um, people on the streets, like, uh, Japanese people on the streets in Japan, Tokyo, uh, talk about how they think about foreigners. Mm. Like, it's kind of like Asian Boss. Um, sure. But more like, on, yeah, YouTube channel, random YouTube channels, and... And even in, in my personal experience, too, I, people say foreigners are more friendly or, or I guess Westerners are more friendly and like a frank mm. And so, なんかその、そこもつながりあるのかなと思って。うんうんうん。あの、言葉、honorifics使ってるから、あまり冷たい感じ、あんまり you don't feel the warmth with that person okay, okay, okay. so it might so that like the, the 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 average normal um interaction communication between japanese might be yeah it might be just like colder in general yeah compare in relative in relative sure to yeah. um just because there's that honorifics and it's not like mm. yeah so i, I don't know so. that, I, I just the observation so yeah ほんとにそうだと思う。like 
words are tools for communication but like yeah 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 a more colder version not it doesn't really accurately represent your true intentions mm-hmm. in the form of honorifics i think mm-hmm. although it can be more tailored to the mass right. in a sense right, right yeah less risk yeah so effect um efficient not gonna and then so you know you talked about it but it relates to in the book i think it was mentioned as transmission versus reception oriented communication mm. and so i think correct me if i'm wrong transmission is for more like honorifics no, no um the other way transmission oriented is focused on what you want to communicate to the other person like okay. it's based on the transmitter while okay. reception oriented is based on honorifics like how would that person perceive you type of thing Mm. So it's more honorific Japanese Asian language oriented and the western mm. is considered to be more transmission oriented while the Asian languages are more considered to be reception oriented. I don't know. Yes, this reminds me of a a great po- part section of the book where it was like it was like like a my, the responsibility to understand what I'm saying mm. is on on the receiver so reception oriented is so, more so, 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 on so, so. the receiver whereas mm. on the transmission one if the person saying it didn't say it clearly enough it's not my fault that i don't understand or something mm, right mm, mm, mm. um and then so so yeah so there's a lot of so with the reception oriented there's a lot of guessing between yep. what the other person is trying to so, say and that's just so like inefficient yeah it's so frustrating like tell me what you want yeah it's not communication it's like charades pretty much yeah yeah i'm just kind of i just kind of it keeps i know bringing Mm. up all this stuff but so one thing um that i realized was like when you're calling people they are like okay not mm, doesn't have to be calling right just like if you're like i think it typically it typically happens when you're like staying at another person's house for like hard house party or dinner party at their place or something and like dinner parties decide you don't have a like a unless that person's like oh, i have a flight tomorrow mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. okay you guys gotta leave at like nothing else so, yeah. but like so no, when there's like flexibility it's like I, I see people that show like signals right like 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 <laughs> なんかになんかにカーテンしてみたいなわかんないけどサンプルってシグナルシグナルシグナルだよりかなんかにのサンプルってシグナルシグナルだよりかなんかにのサンプルってシグナルシグナルだよりかなんかにのサンプルってシグ
straightforward すぎても、すぎても、ジョンもちょっとなんか、傷ついちゃうかもしれないじゃん。Because、sure. mm-hmm. I definitely would too. Yeah. I think that interpre-、uh, interpretation really depends on my、uh, time spent with that person. So, what、mm-hmm. I mean is,、uh, I would. Be able to make a better judgment and interpretation of what that person is communicating if I know that person more. So,、mm. if a person is saying, All right, I gotta,、um, you guys gotta go. The show time in the show that it's like, Oh, so、mm. if I know this person and know、mm. that he's like a direct communicator and he doesn't mean anything bad,、mm. I would totally respect that and、um, comply to his request. But,、mm. So, I think it depends on that level of、um, understanding. connection, understanding、yeah. of that person. So, transmission oriented? No context, ni person oriented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, that's. I, 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 I think I have that. Or I do, I do that too, yeah.、Mm. So, and、mm. then. Yeah. I think, 特にその honor fix 的な reception oriented communication だと、なんか、まあ何も進まないし、it's like a guessing game.、Mm-hmm. Plus, the fact that people like stop there, it's like there's a plastic wall, a glass wall that's like that they can't go,、mm-hmm. they, that they can't cross to、mm-hmm. like ask them what they actually mean because of like, oh, this might be disrespect- disrespectful or like, This might not be the right time. So, your cultural context and nagare is personally, I think it's. Jikan no muda? Jikan to energy no muda? Saki takedo. Koka takina communication jarakte? It's a charades game you do for、yeah. entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's not what you want to do. In a pilot cockpit, when your fuel is like running out by the second. Yeah. So. So, Malcolm Gladwell said that your reception oriented communication is you should only do it when you have the time to read the other person. No. Communication, like, more the rich communication, 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 the I think it was Malcolm too, but he. Did, it, did, it, did, did he talk about like New York? No. John, JFK? No. Airport? No. Oh, yeah. So it's that story where he couldn't, the pilot couldn't communicate his. Like, like he was. He, not again. He was communicating with the NY.、Uh, <laughs> sorry.、Uh, JFK Airport? No. The air traffic control, controller. Uh, uh. And their language. The air controller、ah, ATCs yeah, yeah, yeah. was <clears throat> straightforward and then, like, <laughs> so in, like different, rude kind of thing. <clears throat> according to God, Malcolm, it's, it's、uh, aggressive and yeah, kind of straightforward,、yeah. direct, rude. But to them or to ATC officers, they're not 
they're just being themselves and そうそう、um, oh and then the index about uh, the, you know the it's about an there's a there's a psychologist who had a index or like spectrum of different categories one of them was like individualism and then collectivism yeah um but that's not really what i'm trying to say um i i think i know what the pilot's feelings or uh, are like i know what he's going he went through when he was like talking to the officer because mm. for me coming to the states too it's it's a kind of going to the other side of the spectrum where everything is direct mm. um which i love and i appreciate but mm. in the beginning it's like it's like whoa like whoa like i don't know if that person's mad or like angry yet yeah 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 and then and then gakuni when i ask for favors or like when i just generally talk to people it's like oh do you think you can みたいな感じで mm-hmm. it's like ah hi 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 it's softer it's a kind of honorific oriented right english are you honorific mm-hmm. and i realized and even when at work too i because i'm extra risk adverse or sensitive with mm-hmm. my language at work because i mean everything's i'm professional mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i realized like my texts are like longer than they should be just because of my honorifics like mm-hmm. english honorifics and i'm trying to be careful to cut it down because like like we talked about mm-hmm. we don't really care about that here to see slack message that you would rather get the get straight to the point yeah, so they can yeah. go back to work um and for me like texting like even slack too i want to say thank you or like Oh, I got it. Or I see, but I got some ending IOT. And I would, even, even with friends, I, I text back those IOT like, you know, at work while I'm trying to use limit to um, reactions and be like, as I, I specifically always do thank you reactions at the end, just so that I feel satisfied, but at the same time, I'm not disturbing them again with another text, sure, interrupting sure. their work cycle. Um, so it's, it's so. It's it's int- interesting to balance these two um, transmission versus reception Mm-mm-mm. depending on the culture you're in. Right, right, and yeah, I guess we're fortunate in a sense where we have both access to both of these tools of communication. Yeah, or methods of communication. So, yes, and we'll talk about that advantage or uh, opportunity later. But yeah, so in my case. Uh, I totally agree with um, the honorifics problem that I have, especially talking to clients, because mm-hmm. um, most of my clients are Japanese, and I I don't want to be rude or anything, but <laughs> well, that's that's my honorifics mentality coming in. Yeah. But yeah. it's so tedious to set up, like even set up the email, because you can't say hi. You have to be like. To only just to introduce yourself. Well, you can say, Hi, I'm John in English, which is much more easier and much more direct, much more effective. So that's that. But it's. We can't really change that, you know? I can I think I can only change that for clients that I work with. No, I don't think I can change that even if I work consistently with the client. I'll have to get to know that person much more to、mm-hmm. be on the same level and to understand that 
me using non-honorific Japanese isn't my way of disrespecting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a more direct and efficient way of communicating. Right. Um, so that's a struggle that I have to, that I face on a daily basis, but... Daily <laughs> basis, yeah. Um, I wish. I wish mm-hmm. there's a form of communication or language in Japan that allows us to be more open and less intimidating or more warm, you know? Like, like mm. you said, it's a bit cold in Japanese. Like, mm. Mm. It's ironic. It's supposed to show respect, but so it's showing coldness. It's, no, maybe not. Yeah. It's detaching ourselves from the language, mm. which personally, I don't think should be the case because you're trying to connect with that person, you know, through communication. Yeah. So <clears throat> using something that's detached from you to try to connect at a deeper level with an, another, another person sounds counterintuitive to me. Yeah. So. so yeah. Um, but yeah, that honorifics, we can talk forever about it. Mm. Um, but I had, so I had three kind of rapid questions for you. Mm. Um, so what's, what's the field you're trying to put those 10,000 hours in Mm. and how close do you think you are to that number i think i'm also in the process of not also i'm in the process of calibrating that with myself right now i'm trying to start posting more consistently on youtube and try to make that a bigger source of my connection and potentially a source of income so I want to spend more time on that. And YouTube is still really young. I don't think it's been, well, it's, it's been at least 10,000 hours since it's brought to the internet, but mm. um, I would have to spend like, yeah, 10 years around, right? I think 10,000 hours is around 10 yeah. years. If you put eight yeah. hours a day, yeah, um, every day. But um, yeah, so since my area of, speciality is photography video and the visual medium um i thought it was a bit hard to distinguish um between the amount of hours i need to put in for certain areas of this practice for example if i were to work on a project i would have to start up with research and development of an idea and then i would have to try and test it out and practice it and then i would do the final draft or perform and then share it with the world Mm. Um, and then based on the feedback i would reflect on it and based on my feedback to it i would alter what i would do the next time Mm. and then Mm. in between those projects i would have to study and try to uh, prepare myself to or set myself up so that i can come up with ideas but so yeah that leads to my question of Mm. How do you distinguish, like, I wonder what the proportion is within that 10,000 hours, for example, for Mozart, because he was said to have 10,000 hours of practice before he saw his first success. I wonder how much hours he put in for composing the music, practicing the music, performing the music, reflecting on it and studying the music, because I think this proportion is another factor that can 
uh, help you direct your time and energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the Beatles, um, they amounted 1,200 shows. So, and their shows lasted for at least five hours to eight hours max. Or sometimes they went for like 12 hours, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. they hit, I think, way more than 10,000 just by performing. So, mm. with everything considered, I wonder what the amount of hours you need to put in for just practicing, mm. just preparing, and just performing. Because 10,000 hours is kind of a broad metric, you know? Um, you can be, let's say, you can be playing basketball by just dribbling for 10,000 hours, but that doesn't make you mm. good at basketball. Um, mm. So... Yeah, I was curious to see what the proportions were, but I I guess we would have to do our own research on that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's this information available unless we like do direct interviews for these people, but right. So, but, uh, so to answer the initial question, um mine is visual media and mm-hmm. I don't think I'm close to 10,000 hours because also I just started two years ago. So, and I don't do it every day. It's something that I started as a side project when I was in university. And mm. now that I have more time, I can spend more time on it, but I still have a lot to go. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. Well, in terms of proportion, though, I might, I guess, just whatever you need to practice on so i mean a lot of people lack on different areas of their expertise um like if you want to be a speaker and like mm. or a comedian honban or like and then so i guess whatever かといってその10000ハワーロールっていうのがあるぐらいだからそのジェネラルプリンシパルはあるのかなと思ってライクプラクティスの10000ハワーロールだったりパフォーマンスの何とかハワーロールだったりのジェネラルルールオブサムテキ
mm. and as a result access to more experiences and more connections mm. and a more diverse uh, pool of information to base my thoughts off of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it also helps me become creative in that sense mm. since there's more nodes or dots to connect and not only the amount but like the quality and like the richness of each node I think is higher because um, for example because we can um, interpret some thing from different angles the level of interpretation or mm-hmm. understanding increases I think uh, um, yeah and it leads to yeah I think this advantage led to a lot of um, the client works that I get or just meeting important people in general and like I said learning more and new ideas and um, staying up to date to information and ideas because I think one good example is like uh, books um, I think the book Sapiens by Naval Yuval Harari was a big hit in the States two years prior to when it became big in Japan and I read that before it became big in Japan and Japan was crazing over it by the time I was starting to forget the <laughs> um, content of Sapiens so mm-hmm. in that sense I was um, able to get a first glimpse of new ideas mm. um, and who knows you might have uh, gained an insight from the book and that led you to starting up a company that is two years ahead of others in yeah. Japan or something mm. <clears throat> just anything yeah right anything Kana? what about mm. you do you think what do you think your uh, um, could be attributed to or yeah how? so first of all I'm not successful but yet but i i i'm studying my masters right um right now and that's what thanks to my family for having enough like i was fortunate to have enough financial stability Mm, and mm. um resources for me to go uh, abroad Mm. and provide for my my expenses here so that's kind of like the easiest simplest yeah for me maybe having a lot of uh doctors or physicians in my family was kind of uh instrumental in in believing that i can do something similar or uh achieving something like that in my life um not necessarily like medicine but mm, like you know like well if 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 they can do it like why why can't i do it kind of thing not Mm. to disrespect them but yeah if you can if someone that is close to you or related to you um do something magnificent then you first of all get inspired by it Mm. but then you think oh like you know we're like similar people we're family members relatives so Mm. like why not why not in my dna i should be able to (laughs) kind of similar like that something similar but um so yeah i was lucky to be born in that kind Mm. of situation too Mm. Um, and also being in Japan, which is like safe, it's a safe country. It's, Mm. we are not worried. We're not concerned about war, about famine or disease or 
our uh, safety or health is uh, it's a it's a developed country so um what's it called i someone talked about your sex or your your kind of superficial success metric can be predicted based on where you're born mm-hmm. and so japan is um thankful for that first of all i think just thankful to be safe mm. um because I, i feel more appreciative of japan's safety because coming to the states like being mugged or uh drive-bys or um just like a or kind of basic crime here mm-hmm. are are more like not gonna like a severe kind of thing just like because people die mm-hmm. and so and common in common at least relative in comparison to japan mm-hmm. so i had to reframe how i how, when i walk outside toka in public mm-hmm. at night especially as I, mean, i have to know the uh, neighborhood whereas japan that are like kind of you don't you know you can walk around anytime at 1 a.m in any neighborhood so except for uh kabukito <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my answer mm. so that is um i think i also want to add uh access to internet i think was huge yeah. yeah um yeah because i was able to connect with people that i would never have met without the internet or social mm. media um and this yeah it just provided me with experiences that helped me shape my social identity or like personality mm. that i think was helpful like for example i was able to um so i like playing video games and mm-hmm. i made friends online that i've never met we started playing a match call of duty match of call of duty and we kind of mm. vibed well so we joined a party and played and then we've played for around eight plus years and one of the members so there's eight of us but one of the members was getting married and i've never met this person we've only known each other through voice chat but this person invited me to go to his wedding and i was able to meet someone that i would never would have met otherwise mm. and this was such a valuable experience to me because mm. it was like breaking my circle mm. and mm, i first of all thought of how closed my circle was um and yeah how confined my thought process was based on the people mm. that i had in my close circle and just being exposed to new people and how they thought and accepting them for that led from this type of experience so mm-hmm. the internet for sure is um a major attribute mm. that helped me become who i am today Um, and it's like just the timing where we were born like all the technologies and safety and access to all the things that we have today i think we're really lucky um everything's super convenient mm. and 
Yeah, the place, yeah, location, like you said, Japan, we're born in Japan. Yeah, these are all really advantageous, I think. Mm. Mm. I wanted to add about the internet, which isn't related to the book, but like, I wonder how much of our, the, our generation mm. um, has ethnic, like, mental, like, mindset-wise, our notions, like, how much of those ha we have that are... Uh, D dissonance with between us and our parents generations mm. and i ask that because um i think a lot of times like at least for me like maybe some things are like at the net like off limits for my parents or like for my upper generational people mm. um like they might be more conservative in some some aspects and mm. And like we say, hey, we're more open-minded about those stuff, but uh, blah, 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 blah. But like, I wonder how much of that is like not their fault, and it's just because mm -hmm. we were lucky enough to view the other side of the world, um, yeah. using internet, and so, mm. um, yeah. I, I was just because I'm just kind of like frustrated, like, why, why can't that, why isn't that like. A thing for you dates <laughs> i used to think about for some of my or just anyone not even my family members but you know for everything there i guess there's a reason and i'm sure internet has a huge impact on mm. us on our mentality and how we look at the world yeah and they didn't they didn't get that experience or opportunity so mm. um but yeah that was my questions um but now I will let you talk about your questions <laughs> and points. Okay. Um, so I mainly have two questions. Um, the sure. first one is regarding the importance of <laughs> regarding the importance of general intelligence and practical intelligence. Um, mm. In the book, he brings up two individuals who have extraordinary extraordinary high IQs like from 180 to 200 that level of iq where einstein only had mm. 140 150 so he was talking about how they looked like they were set to succeed in life but so the first person is chris langan um he had an iq of 190 and he would win like tv shows like questionnaire tv shows where he would go against 100 people it's called one versus a hundred where um the mc of the show asks chris and the crowd a question and whoever can answer it can proceed to the next round and make more money based on how many questions he answers but he would easily outsmart the hundred people and he would also um calculate his returns um on his, the spot his risk yeah on the spot so he would just stop at like question number 12 and take the money like i think it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is quite a lot of money so he would just take that because he would calculate that it wasn't worth risking answering the next question that mm. that type of stuff and in general he was really smart and uh but he was um he was met with a lot of adversities in his particularly higher education life um 
And this is con his experience is contrasted with this other person called Robert Oppenheimer, who also has a high IQ, but found mm. success in his higher education and later life. And Malcolm was asking why these people were different. And the main difference was because of their practical intelligence or the street smartness. Um, they're both generally intelligent, which is, describes their high IQ, but um, Chris Langan didn't have much practical intelligence and he wasn't able mm -hmm. to communicate effectively what he was thinking and how he felt. So that led to miscommunications and um, authoritative figures in the schools not granting his request to even like shift his morning schedule to a night schedule because his car broke down, he can't make it to school on time. That level of request he couldn't even um, carry through because of his lack mm -hmm. of communication skills. While on the other hand, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, he was found um, poisoning, he was found trying, attempting to poison his tutor, but he was able to convince his way out and just receive probation and a consistent counseling session. So, mm. And then afterwards, he um, was recruited to develop the atomic bomb in the World War II. So he went up the ladders despite having the same amount of IQ. So the difference was practical intelligence. And this practical intelligence is said to develop through social in interactions through their families. And there are two types of social interactions within the family. The first one is accomplishment and natural growth, which is a style of style where the parents see their responsibility to care for their children, but let them grow and develop on their own. So they're more like off the leashes type of um, mm. nurture style. Well, the other one is concerted cultivation where the parent <clears throat> fosters and assesses a child's talents, opinions, and skills. So they treat their children as individual people instead of just their um, a child. A child, yeah. Mm. Someone they, that they take care of, you know, that they yeah. can judge or they can choose everything for them. And um, a lot of research shows that the accomplishment and natural growth type of style um, are shown by low income families and the concerted cultivation or more warm type of style are found in mid to high income families and do you I say warm warm okay. like more considerate and they oh, okay think about the child um and that made me think that it was similar to the eastern and western parenting styles where mm -hmm. the accomplishment and like off leashes type of parenting is more eastern or like strict com um, conservative type of parenting is more eastern while the concerted cultivation was more western mm. and that also led me to think that um, what could what can the children who are raised in the low income families do about their situation mm -hmm. because a lot of their practical intelligence get developed in their childhood through the family interactions but if they don't have a warm uh, concerted way of 
uh, interacting with their families, how would they develop their practical intelligence? So actually, I'm, I'm a little confused because <clears throat> you said like the low-income families style par parenting is to let them grow and develop on, on their own. Um, but I thought maybe by put, putting them on their own feet by themselves, it's like it's a training for them to sure. develop their own intelligence. So mm -mm -mm. it makes me feel like naturally they would develop it naturally but i feel like i'm missing something here which is i mm, i do agree with that but i also think not every child can do that um right so then they, they have to have the willingness and motivation like innateness to want to develop on their own and curiosity but mm -hmm. and a lot of the times the parents can inhibit that based on their mm. way of treating the children too like mm. if they're controlling or if they don't allow the children to even say their opinions, that type of stuff. So, like, what? How? How would these children develop their share of practical intelligence, so that they can find their way in the world? Mm. Was like my concern after reading this segment. So, if we can't teach the kids maybe teach the parents so i thought like my first answer was like <clears throat> kids can kids i think kids learn from role models mm -hmm. or they don't they're not learning they don't learn by being told what to do but to mimic people so yeah. if that's their main source of learning then we would have to change or develop the main source of learning mm, uh, right yeah put our attention there but i'm no expert so i don't know <laughs> but how yeah so how would we inform these parents to comply to become more considered like more warm and considerate and treat them more as individuals and and then we'll be like, okay, where did those parents learn from? They'll be like, their parents. So it's like a chicken and egg problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it also relates to my previous point about being in a cycle tradition, but also respect or but also having the capability to adapt. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. if one generation, I don't know if one whatever so generation mm -hmm. can break the chain or cycle, I don't, I don't maybe. I don't know. Mm. So, how would they break the chain? Like, would they implement it in the educational system or? Nah, intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, how do you. How? I don't know. So, uh, you, you did say how should schools implement, right? Opportunities. Yeah, so that might be the best be mm. because sorry going because it's the most malleable stage of their life yeah and not to for lack of better words like take advantage of that time um mm. and we kind of talked about this before too right like in the like in our own times but yeah um yeah so i thought school would be a potential way of um establishing a environment 
for students to practice their practical mm. intelligence. But at the same time, I thought a lot of their practical intelligence comes from their time at home. So, yeah. So, and yeah. So the intervention would have to seep into their homes, which is yeah. another tricky part. Um, and I think that's one other reason why, like, a lot of like domestic violence is still don't um, end, still exist today, because schools have a limit to what they can do, like how far they can mm. reach. So, I thought it's a pretty difficult problem to tackle with, but mm. it seems like. The intervention needs to go into the family. So then, mm. and thinking of something that influences the family's perception or values, I thought media, entertainment, or people they talk to can be another option. So mm. maybe movies or books or music that. Kind of condition them to, not I don't want to say condition because that's like brainwashing, but like, although yeah. that is how people learn, um, yeah. Kind of suggest a way, al- so, 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 an alternative so, so. Yeah. to interpret their situation in a more objective way. Yeah, and reorient it in a way that would help their children. Yeah, through that reassessment, right? But that sounds like a big chunk of things to do through an easy input, mm-hmm. which might sound unrealistic. But yeah, that that was just one question that I mm-hmm. had when reading this general intelligence and practical intelligence. So. I guess on the whole, what we can take away from this book is to be aware of the opportunities that are around us um, based on these um, samples, sample Mm -hmm. stories that we learn about and identify the patterns, which seems to be the unmatched access of time and practice of certain practices. Um, It doesn't have to be practices. It can be specific opportunities like starting a new um, type of business or delving into a new area of expertise. Um, But I think the important thing is to be aware of how these natural opportunities work in our world and calibrating those with what you, what you want to do and taking a, putting yourself into these opportunities by informing yourself of these opportunities and being redundant. Here. Right. Uh. And so I guess um, be self-aware. <laughs> I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah, I can't remember where that's from. It might have been... Oh yeah, every episode. <laughs> <laughs> We conclude um, with the same <laughs> thing every book. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, self-awareness. So I think it's first of all like so we're we're gaining knowledge, 
And then by using this knowledge, we're trying to be self-aware in our lives because self-awareness is like applying those knowledge mm. and then uh, trying to use them to your advantage in, in your own uh, unique situation. Mm. So yeah. まあ、なんか reading them it helps reading every week helps really look at the world in different in a more interesting view so うんうん、うん、it's it's nice えっと yeah with that said that was what was the book outliers by <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> and glad you remember yeah it was a fun read um It was the second book that we read from written by Malcolm. I'm sure we'll be reading、um, a lot of his other books as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, just a reminder、uh, we are always reachable on Twitter and YouTube, like comment section or any inbox. And then、um, we welcome anyone to join us. And please feel free to check our calendar. Our schedule's there.、Uh, we might have a guest coming soon in a week or two,、mm-hmm. uh, but that will be a surprise. <laughs>、um, all right. Anything else, Johnny Boy? Nope. I really enjoy this weekly reading and reflection sessions. Yeah. やりたいことに、no resolution とかも上がったりするし。Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overall, good book, good book.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And as always, please stay safe. <laughs>